Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Welcome. Those of you joining us online, we are not at the YMCA today. Uh, Sorry about that. I know we had planned to do an outdoor service today, and then uh, as the days went on, the forecast got worse and worse. I mean, looking outside right now, it seems just fine, but if the forecast is right, it's going to start pouring down rain on us about halfway through the service, and we didn't think all of you would want to be outside for that. So uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, 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 long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that that's true, that the Lord meets us here as we gather to worship him. You bow your heads with me. God, we are so grateful for uh, your blessing that we have just had sung over us today. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your love, for your compassion, for your grace. To think that generation after generation after generation of people have put their trust in you over the centuries, over the millennia. And you continue to be the faithful God who is there when we reach out, who is there when we, when we call. That when we go through the, the times of great difficulty, God, you are with us. You see us through. We are not abandoned. We are not alone. And God, you know that some of us today, we, just, we need that reassurance that we are not alone right now. We can feel so isolated uh, with our routines disrupted, uh, staying home, not, not getting the hugs that, we, that we're accustomed to, that we so desperately need, uh, not getting to be in the presence of people. And some of us, God, as we, as we look ahead to this, uh, to this fall and into this winter, as we think ahead to holidays that won't be the same, God, there's almost a, a dread that comes over us. And God, I pray that you would replace that with with a sense of your presence with us, that you would help us to creatively come up with ways to still connect with each other, to still spend time together, even if we can't do the things we would normally do. God, we are trusting that your Holy Spirit is going to lead us well, both as individuals and as a community and as a nation and as a world. God, as we confront the various things that we are faced with, and you know the, how contentious this election season is that we are right in the middle of. And God, I continue to pray that, uh, that you would, of course, lead us as a nation to, to use our, our, our right to vote to select the best leader for these next four years, as well as selecting other leaders all up and down the ballot. And, but God, even more than that, I pray that you would help those of us who are trusting in you, those of us who are filled with your Holy Spirit, those of us who, who know your grace and your love. God, would you help us to, to let your light shine through us? Would you help us to live in this world in a way that's different, in a, as peacemakers, as, as people who... Well, Jesus, you said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. God, we want to live as your kids here in this world. We want to extend your grace, your respect, your love, your kindness, your goodness, even to those who, frankly, have not treated us the same way. God, help us to to be so transformed by your love and by your grace that we just can't help but live loving, gracious lives here in our world. God, you know that's just one of many things that we're facing right now. Help us to continue to put our trust in you. 
Help us to continue to go where you send us, to trust your Holy Spirit to lead us and to give us the strength to do whatever it is that you call us to do, that we might be able to endure, that we might be able to love, that we might be known as Christians by our love that we have for those around us. Thank you, God. Thank you for this time. Please uh, open our hearts and our minds to you and to each other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, normally, we would greet each other at this time. We can't go walk around and hug each other, but you can still find somebody, point at them, wave to them, say, oh, hey, I didn't know you were here. Oh, hi. Uh, say hi to us there in the comments or in the chat or something. Say hi to each other, those of you watching together. And uh, once you feel like you've done about as much of that as you can, you can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, thank you to all of you for leading us musically this morning. Thank you, guys. This was a real treat. Uh, Joe and Crystal were, were talking to me this morning uh, ahead of time as they were running through things and all that, and they, they said that, you know, they see Scott and Mary have their kids up here, and they were asking them, uh, like, man, how do you get your kids to get up there and do that together? We would love that. And they basically, I don't, I don't remember how they, how did they, how did they word it? Just make them do it? Just make them do it. Make them do it. Yeah. <laughs> and they did, and it was, and it was great. So, uh, by way of announcements, um, uh, if you're here in the room, of course, you can grab one of those little green cards back by the offering box and fill that out and drop it in there uh, before you go. Let us know you're with us and how we can pray for you. All of us, whether we're online or here in the room, can grab uh, one of those digital connect cards. Go to livinghope.info connect and fill one of those out. If there's a way we can be praying for you or thanking God with you, or if you have feedback or comments uh, about how things are going around here or just something going on in your life you want to communicate with us, that's the best way to make that happen right now. Uh, livinghope.info connect. And of course, if you're here, you can drop an offering in the offering box. If you're online, you can, uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash give and, uh, and give that way. And when you get there, uh, you can just give right to the general fund, which is just like dropping an offering in the box. That's what you know, most of us do. But if you want to give to something specific, we do have some special projects going on right now. We've got a, a Habitat for Humanity house that we are contributing to, and we're going to get to help put sweat equity in to help build that thing in, uh, in this next year. Our goal by the end of this year is to hit $6,000 contributed toward that. We just crossed the halfway mark uh, this last week with some donations that came in. So if you want to contribute to the Habitat for Humanity house, uh, we would love to have you just pick that in the little drop down after you go to livinghope.info slash give, and you can give to that. Uh, the Mission Church in Hammond, we're coming alongside uh, all of our other sister churches in Northwest Indiana as part of the Church of the Nazarene to help them with some pressing facility needs that have been holding them back. And then last week you heard uh, that some people call October Pastor Appreciation Month. And so if you want to give for a gift that's going to go to me and to the staff, you can do that as well. Um, but anyway, all right. Um, oh, speaking of that, I think there's that little link to... Some of you guys wanted that list. If you're here in the room, you can just grab it off the table. 50 ways to bless your pastor and staff, or you can go to that, that link that's uh, on the screen. Uh, and that'll send you to a little PDF or something. But anyway... Um, I think I had one more thing up there just about these next two Sundays, right? Yeah, we're trying to figure things out, all right? We're trying to stay flexible. That's for next week. We'll talk about being flexible, but, um, <clears throat> which I'm generally not. Uh, but we're trying to stay flexible to, to continue to connect with as many of you, as many of us, as many people in our community as possible. That's why we were trying to do the outdoor service today. And we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I'll regret having canceled that and brought it back indoors. If I don't see rain pouring down in about 20 minutes, I'll know we made a huge mistake. But... Uh, the forecast said it was going to rain on us in the middle of it. Uh, 
But uh, these next two weeks, we're going to have our service at 10 o'clock, all right? I know a couple of you walked in today at 10 thinking, oh, I thought you said it's at 10. I was like, oh, sorry, I know it's confusing, sorry. That's our bad. So, you know, we used to have a service at 9 and a service at 10.30, and that kind of hit the sweet spot for a lot of you. So those of you who loved starting your day at 9 with the service, you know, then you were able to go and get a lot of other stuff done before you hit lunch. Um, others of you were like, what are you talking about? People are awake at 9 o'clock, and you rolled in, you know, a little after the 10.30 service started, and that was perfect for you. Uh, well, we're trying to kind of hit a sweet spot in the middle to try to connect as many of us who feel comfortable being in the room, letting you be in the room, um, and of course, all of us who are connecting at home uh, to continue to be able to do that. Uh, now, one thing that, uh, that we don't normally get to do on Sunday morning is have some of you read some things. Diane, did you still want to read that Psalm 23 this morning? All right. Diane has been asking me, can I please read the 23rd Psalm? She, uh, she'd run across it. Come on up, Diane. I'm going to give you this microphone. And uh, Diane's been a part of our church for several years now. And... Uh, and loves Jesus with all of her heart and is one of the most generous people that I know. And she had asked if she could read the 23rd Psalm. So you want me to hold this for you? Okay. You got it? Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I am like his sheep. I want not need anything. He takes me to lake and field. So I can lay there. He brings me to quiet water. He makes me strong again. He leads me in the way that is right. Sometimes I am in danger. I am like a sheep in a valley, fall in shadow. I may be danger, but I will not be afraid because you are with me. You make me feel safe. You set a table before me ever when my enemies are annoying. You make me feel special. My cup flows over. I have more than I need. I know that love and good things will be with me all my life. I know I will live with God forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Many of you love the 23rd Psalm, and Diane does too. And, and last week we were talking about how the Bible is that uh, um, 
that tool that God has given us to equip us for every good thing that he wants us to do. And, and Diane is a good example of taking advantage of that. She's found a Bible that she can read that makes sense to her, and she reads it. And uh, lately, she's been finding all these Bible apps that you can get on your phone and, uh, and using a whole bunch of those, which is helpful too. So if you haven't done that already, man, if you're struggling to get the Bible into your mind or into your life, uh, follow Diane's example and uh, find a Bible that you can read that makes sense. Uh, we've got a few, a couple of them still back on that table by the offering box. If, if one of those works for you, look at it. Take it with you if you want to, um, or just grab the Bible app. Most of you have some kind of smartphone, and the YouVersion Bible app is, a, is one of the most... Uh, well-known, well-loved, and uh, you can, they've got dozens of English translations of these ancient scriptures, and you can find one that makes sense to you, and a bunch of them, they'll even read it to you. You push the play button, and some, some nice man will read the Bible to you, uh, and you don't even have to read it yourself. So you can do that while you're uh, mowing the grass or driving to work or whatever it is that you got going on. Mowing the grass, uh, blowing snow pretty soon, but anyway, <laughs> hopefully we're all done mowing grass now for the year. All right, um, Thank you again, Diane. Thank you so much. We um, love having you as a part of our church. We're continuing a series of messages, which we're almost done with. Next week, we'll wrap it up uh, just in time to do some different stuff for the month of November, uh, looking at gratitude and, and this life well-lived. Anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but we've been looking at these personality quirks that make Living Hope maybe a little bit different than the church down the street. I mean, most churches have a similar mission, right? And we've, we've worded ours like this, uh, that we are... Can you put that on the screen? I can't remember. Okay, we're here to connect people with God, with each other, and with the world in need of God's love. That's how we talk about the mission that God has given to his church, that all churches pretty much are doing the same thing. They're trying to help people connect with the God who made them, who loves them, get them connected to a supportive Christian community to help them through life, and connect with a mission in the world, this God's mission in the world, what the good things that God is doing so that we can be a part of that. But you know, every church is a little different, right? Every church has its own personality quirks and theological quirks and differences, just different ways that different churches approach things. Uh, not a whole lot of churches that when you walk in, you can pull a couple of tables together and all sit around it, you know, like you get to here. Um, you know, so every church is a little different. We've been talking about that uh, in our Living Hope 101 class. We call them things that we value. And uh, we've made our way through most of this list that uh, open acceptance, life change, authenticity, spiritual faithfulness, humility or teachability, personal responsibility. And then today we're going to tackle these next two, servanthood and creativity. And next week we'll talk about excellence and flexibility. Uh, all these things that matter to us that shape kind of who we are as a church and have for the past 20 years. So this is how, uh, if you get to our Living Hope 101 class, if we're able to offer that again someday in the future, uh, you'll hear servanthood and creativity described like this. Uh, servanthood, we willingly pour out our lives for others, following Jesus's example of servant leadership. We firmly believe that God has gifted and called every member to ministry, which, like so many have displayed already this morning, uh, getting up here and using their gifts, musical gifts, to, to lead us musically. Diane getting up here and uh, doing what, you know, about half the room doesn't have the guts to do, to get up and read scripture in front of, the, in front of other people and, and the whole world online. Uh, so servanthood, we believe in this. this. This shapes who we are. And then creativity. We encourage imagination and initiative in all areas of ministry, always seeking new and better ways to communicate the unchanging good news of Jesus Christ. So uh, I think most of us have heard at some point the scripture um, that, uh, that says that Jesus, the Son of Man, didn't come to be served but to serve. Have you, have you heard that before? He's like, I didn't come so that you could serve me. I came to serve others, right? But I think the part after that, that he says right after that, sometimes we forget. It uh, makes that a little bit more challenging. And it's found in Matthew chapter 20, uh, which you've got, if you grabbed one of these on your way in, we've got some little notes for you, and, uh, or the, the scripture should be on the screen. 
It says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And he's talking to his disciples. This is who he's gathered together. The people who are learning from him how to do life in the way of Jesus. He says, you're not supposed to be like those Gentile rulers who, you know, are all, act all high and mighty and, uh, and boss people around. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, mean, I can get on board with the whole like, oh, okay, Jesus, I want to be like you, which means, all right, if I have a position of responsibility or authority, I can't just push people around and be there, be bossy and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I get that. And it's not about how, you know, climbing some ladder and being important and everybody applauding me or something like that, but that I need to be willing to serve. Okay, that servant leadership. I had class on that in college, uh, servant leadership. We read books about uh, servant leadership. Even business uh, authors now, just looking at the world of business, out, apart from church, are recognizing that, like that, what do they call it, like level five leadership, and everybody's got different terms for it. But like the best leaders are the ones that don't make it about themselves, but who put the company first and the customer first and are looking for ways to serve and to meet needs. I can get on board with all of that, but then Jesus has to go and, and say that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Like, he didn't just come to serve, like, in the, the easy ways to serve. He came to, like, sacrificially give of himself. And then he's calling us to do the same, to, to be imitators of him, to follow his example. We see that in John chapter 13. This is, um, you know, the Bible's got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that all tell the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection. And in John's gospel, we have this uh, description of what Jesus did when he gathered his disciples together to celebrate that, his last supper with them before he was to go on to die on the cross. It says, um, let's see, in verse 2, I guess it is, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So things are already in motion. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, and at that point, I would think, you know, so he knows that he's in charge of everything. The Father's put him over everything, that he has come from God, returning to God. He knows he's divine. He, like, he understands who he is and his role in the universe. And so I would think, so, so it says he got up from the meal, and I would think at that point he says to his disciples something like, you know, kneel before me, you know, or something. I don't know. Um, you, know, you, know you should know who I am or something. But instead he gets up. It says, so, knowing all of this, he gets up, takes off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. This was servant's work. This was the lowest of the low. Um, again, we don't, I've mentioned this before, but we don't really do that anymore. We don't even see each other's feet. And some of you are like disgusted anytime somebody wearing like an open toe sand, you're like, oh man, get that out of my face. But in those days, that's like all they wore, right? And the roads weren't as well paved as they are today and all that kind of stuff. So as you're walking down the street, you know, they didn't have all the sewers and everything that we have either. You know, that stuff just kind of ran in the gutter. There's still communities you can visit around the world where they don't have good sanitation. Many of those that we provide clean water through, clean water for through our partnership with World Vision, uh, often sanitation is right along with that. You know, making sure that they're not just walking through sewage as they walk down the street. Well, in Jesus' day, that often was the case. And so when you got to somebody's house, you know, here we're like, oh, let me take my shoes off? Yeah, great, let's take our shoes off. And you got these nice clean socks underneath, right? Uh, wasn't like that there. You take your sandals off and it's like, oh man, what did you drag? What did you walk through? What did you step in? And so they would have a servant 
kind of meet you there and wash your feet before you got on into the house. And if there wasn't a servant, then everyone kind of looked around like, oh, your turn, man. You know, sorry, you're, you were the last, you know, you were the last one hired, last one called. You get to be the guy that's, that washes the feet, you know, low man on the totem pole. And, uh, and here they are, the meal is already in progress. No one has been willing to do that. Jesus' disciples, who are, they're a great stand-in for us in the Gospels. Man, so many times when I'm reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I read what the disciples do with their questions, with their doubts, with their failures, with their confusion, and I think, man, that's us. You know, we, we are stumbling through this thing. We're doing our best to follow Jesus, but there's so much that we still don't understand, and they didn't get it all, and they've been jockeying for position. They've been asking Jesus, hey, when, when you come into your glory, can, can my brother and I sit on your right and your left? You know, we want to be in all the pictures. You know, we want to be right there, getting the, the place of glory when you when you you know enthroned and uh and jesus says look that's that's not even for me i don't even get to decide the seating chart for this thing but if you really want to follow me you're going to follow me he talks about drinking the cup of suffering that he is going to to drink none of his disciples were willing to say oh you know what let me do this and so jesus gets up gets the basin, gets the towel, and begins to wash their feet we're skipping over a little part in here where peter objects along the way he's like oh jesus you can't wash my feet you know, like, what are you doing? You're the guy in charge. You can't wash my feet. And, and Jesus says, well, I have to. If I don't wash your feet, then you're not one of mine. And so then Peter's like, oh, well, great. Then dump the whole basin on me. You know, wash me up, Jesus, if whatever I need to do. And it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place, and said, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. And he acknowledges, yeah, I'm I'm in charge here. I'm the one teaching you the way of God. I'm the one who is in charge. I'm the Lord. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. In other words, he's saying, like, look, if, if I'm in charge, you're not, if I'm, if I'm the, uh, what's he say, I'm the master and you're the servant, but you're not better than me then, right? And, and if I'm the one sending the message and you're my messenger going out to tell people this good news, you're not better than me, greater than me. So if I'm willing to do this, you need to be willing to do this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, I didn't know they were going to do the blessing song, you know, but we this whole song about, you know, this blessing and, and this idea of being blessed. And Jesus right here is saying, if you want to be blessed, you will follow my example. You will live a life of service, live a life of love that is willing to get down and get dirty in service to others. Now, like I said, we don't really wash each other's feet at this point. So the, the closest examples I can think of that would be similarly disgusting might be like, you know, washing someone's toilet. Maybe, you know, I mean, nobody, I'm guessing if I did a show of hands, I mean, how many of you love cleaning toilets? Wouldn't be a whole lot of you that are like, oh yeah, me. Uh, unless you just, you know, you like it to be clean and that's like, you know, every day you're cleaning your toilet or something. Um, yeah, every now and then that's, well, that's supposed to be my job at my house. And every now and then I remember that's supposed to be my job and I actually clean the toilets. I, I look down and then I think, oh, that's not looking so good and, and clean it. But, um, but the, the thought in my head wasn't so much at home as it is here, frankly. I mean, I come here to the church building to work. Uh, during the week. And um, that means that during the day, sometimes I use the, the toilet right out there in the hallway, right? And um, you didn't know you'd hear so much toilet talk this morning, did you? Um, and some of you occasionally use the toilet in there. And there's times when I've walked in there and I thought, oh man, that is just, that's not looking the cleanest. That's going to get cleaned. And, and I know that Lisa is going to come in and she's going to clean it. And there are times that I think, oh man, I don't want anybody having to clean up after me like, like that, right? 
Uh, and that's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about here. Like, we need to be willing to, to, clean other pe- to clean each other's toilets, to clean each other's feet, to get down and do the job that nobody else really wants to do out of love for each other and to follow the example of Jesus. It's, it's wild to me that Jesus is willing to do the, the most menial task, that that's the example that he sets for us. It's, uh, it, well, if you've got one of these uh, notes in there, you see I use the word subversive up at the top because it feels subversive to me that Jesus is taking people's expectations and kind of flipping them. It's like, well, you know how leaders normally operate. That's not how it's going to operate here with us. And he doesn't just say it, he lives it. And if we will follow his example and live lives of service and of love, it has the chance to, to undermine those, those hierarchies, those systems of oppression that exist in our world that, that say that some people are better than other people and some people deserve this and other people don't. And if we will live lives following the way of Jesus, we, have, we can be a part of subverting that of taking these broken systems that we have inherited and, and flipping them over and making them look more like the kingdom of God, frankly, more like the life that God created us to live. A few verses later, Jesus says in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another. And again, if he'd just stopped there, I'd have been like, all right, cool, love each other. We can do that, right? Yeah, I love you. You know, this is great. I, I, love, I love all of you. You know, this is wonderful. Um, let's love each other. You know, we can sing kumbaya and we can all get along and it'll be a beautiful thing. But then he continues, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Oh, man, Jesus, you ruined it, you know? I mean, now I can't just take this easy, comfortable way of loving each other. I've got to try to model the love I have for all of you after the love that Jesus has shown to me. And I don't know about you, but Jesus has been pretty patient with me. Uh, Jesus has been pretty compassionate toward me. Uh, Jesus has, has been extra gracious to me in my 45, nearly 46 years on this planet. There have been plenty of times that Jesus could have just said, oh, I'm not dealing with that again. Forget you and just you know, written me off and let me go wander off and mess things up, uh, drive myself into the ditch and be done. And he hasn't. He has loved me in a way that says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be patient with you. I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to be gracious to you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to be generous towards you. I'm going to help you. I'm not going to give up on you. He has loved me in a way that then he turns around and says, now you need to love each other like that. You need to love other folks who, frankly, don't deserve it. Just like, Rich, you haven't deserved it all this time. Be gracious. Be kind. Be patient. Be good. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he says what we just sang earlier. By, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm not going to go back and re-preach the politics series I already did a couple of months ago. You can listen to those online if you want to. Um, but here we are just about to vote. And, uh, or some of you already having voted. Or some of you deciding, I'm just dodging that whole thing. This, I'm not voting in this, this one. There... He does not say, everyone will know you're my disciples if you vote for the right party. All right? They're, just to say again, there are going to be good, thoughtful Christians here in our church who are going to vote for someone you can't stand. Uh, no matter what side of whatever line you're on, um, we're all going to kind of cancel each other out probably here in the room. Okay? Uh, 
the, the sign that we are Jesus' disciples, that we belong to him, is the way that we love each other, including those who think very different than you do politically, including those who uh, think the whole mask thing is stupid and, and, you know, or the people who, you know, insist that you wear the mask and you're frustrated by that or whatever, wherever you come down on that stuff. Love one another, he's commanded. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, this is not easy. You know, obviously, it's not easy. It doesn't come naturally to any, any of us to, to love each other, to serve others in these ways. And that's one reason why we need each other, why we're not just in this by ourselves. It's not just me and Jesus, and I'll just kind of really focus, and, and I'll be able to, you know, make some goodness happen in the world somehow. Um, I need other people encouraging me, spurring me on uh, to, to do this. It was just, uh, I've just been seeing these last two weeks, I think I mentioned last week too, um, seeing all these folks running for World Vision. They canceled the Chicago Marathon and World Vision says, you know what, we're going to do it anyway. And they had hundreds of people run basically the Chicago Marathon without there being a Chicago Marathon, run 26.2 miles out of love for the poor, out of love for people who needed clean water, that they are raising that money together. And a friend, Josh Folkerts, who coordinates that whole thing for the Chicagoland area, he had to run his later. And so he was, you know, posting stuff online. And, and uh, that's just kind of in my head, like we need each other. He was talking about how encouraging it was as he was struggling to get through those 26.2 miles, getting encouraging texts from people or getting the little bing on his phone that someone else had donated and how those things helped to spur him on. He, he said he might not have been able to do it if it weren't for a couple of his friends that ran it with him, even though they didn't need to. You know, but they ran 26.2 miles with him just to encourage him. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Uh, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need each other to spur us on, to encourage us to love, to encourage us to do good, to put our faith into practice, to actually follow Jesus. It is not an easy thing. We need the support of each other. There are times where you're going to feel like, you know, I've just used it all up. I don't have any more of myself to give. And here is somebody who needs some help. And oh, man. And I'm feeling this nudge from God saying like, yeah, you need to help this person. There are times where you'll feel a different kind of nudge in those moments where you'll feel God saying, you know what? It's okay. You get some rest. I've got somebody else coming behind you who's going to help this person. But then there's other times where the Holy Spirit is like not letting that go and, and saying, no, you need to stop. You need to help. And it's in those kinds of times where we need our friends around us saying like, you can do this. You know, don't give up. You can love, you can give, you can uh, continue to love that classmate who gets on your last nerve. You can continue to do good to that coworker um, who uh, has just been so rude to you. You can reach out in love to that family member who keeps, you know, the only time you talk to them, it just gets ugly, you know. But you can continue to, to love and to respect them and to be good and kind to them in ways they don't deserve. This is where some of the creativity comes in, I think, uh, that we need each other's help to come up with ways sometimes. Uh, how do I serve this person? How can I do something good? I've tried this. I've tried this. Nothing seems to really help. Do I just stick with it? Or, and every now and then, we get to see some of this creativity happen on Wednesday nights with our Wednesday night Bible study that gathers together here and online. Some people zoom in and others are here in the room where we, uh, we take some part of the Bible and we just talk about where it connects with our lives. And sometimes the part that I bring, nobody's connected with, but somebody else brings something, you know, and like that question really spurs conversation. And, and, um, and it's all the time that as we do this thing together, as we discuss these things, that we see 
creative solutions coming out. We hear, we hear people sharing ideas for ways they can continue to love that family member or that neighbor or continue to do good toward whoever this might be. Especially, we need some extra creativity in times like this with, uh, with masks and distance and all the restrictions that are in place uh, around the coronavirus. Things that we might ordinarily have done, we might not be able to do anymore to reach out to a neighbor or to, to take somebody to lunch or something like that. We might not feel comfortable doing that or they might not feel comfortable accepting it. So we need each other to, to encourage us and to give us creative ideas of ways we can do this, ways that we together can subvert the the messed up world that we live in. Um, Jesus, over and over again, um, told stories about how the, the kingdom of God is, is like uh, something small that like makes big changes, like a tiny little mustard seed that, that planted in the ground turns into this big old tree that birds of the air can, can nest in, that a tiny little bit of yeast works its way through the whole dough. And it's like he's encouraging us, look, we can have these, these what seem like little tiny kingdom impacts that end up having an enormous impact on the world around us. We just do this, this small little thing, this small little act of service, small little act of love, some way that we are pouring ourselves out for someone else, and God takes that and uses it and turns it into something beautiful that has ripples that go far beyond anything we might have imagined. Uh, there are several parts of Scripture that, uh, that connect with this idea of, of all of us having a role to play and... and, and uh, making sure that we're important. 1 Corinthians 12 is one of those. You might just have to write that in somewhere. Uh, it's one of Paul's letters, and he talks about us being like a body and, and each of us having a role to play, and we're all important. Uh, Romans chapter 12 is another of his letters, and uh, I just want to I'm skip through a couple of parts of this. We're not gonna, I've got pretty much that whole chapter there in your notes, um, but we're going we're gonna to skip uh, around a little bit. He starts out this chapter saying, Look, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And we, we have the opportunity each and every day to live our lives as an offering to God. To say, okay, God, I am yours. How might you use me today? How might you work through my life today? I'm just, I'm giving myself, all of me, as a living sacrifice to you. This actually came up Wednesday night, this last Wednesday. We are talking about those, those times when someone... Uh, doesn't happen real often here in the USA, but it happens a little more often in some other places where someone walks in and threatens death if you don't uh, deny Jesus. You know, I grew up hearing those kinds of stories in, in church and youth group. Um, that um, you know, the the question Wednesday night was someone was asking like, boy, would I have the courage to in that moment uh, stay true to Jesus and say, well, look, I don't care if you kill me. I'm, I'm I believe in Jesus. I'm trusting in Him. You know, okay. And then, you know, do I have the courage to die for Jesus? And this verse immediately came to mind. I was like, well, personally, I think it would be easier to die for Jesus. I think it's a lot harder for us to live for Jesus, to live each and every day as a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God, to offer him my time, my energy, my affections, my allegiance, my resources, to offer him myself and say, okay, God, I'm yours. How do you want to put me to use today? In verse 2, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, the world wants to squeeze us into its mold, and Jesus instead invites us into this creative, subversive life of love and service that transforms us and transforms the people around us and ultimately transforms everything. 
continues in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. You know, don't think you're too good to clean that toilet. Don't think you're too good to wash those feet. Don't think you're too good to sit and talk with that person that clearly needs someone to stop and talk with them. Don't think you're too good for that. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. He says we have different gifts. And he goes on to talk about the different gifts that we have and, and whatever your gift is, he says just do it then. Do it. If, if, you can, if, if it's prophesying or proclaiming, then you know, do that in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. Teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. Giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And he's not trying to be exhaustive here. He's just saying, look, whatever gift God has given to you, whatever opportunity you have to, to allow the gift of God's grace to flow through you to impact others, do it. Whatever role you might have to play. That's where 1 Corinthians 12 is all kinds of fun. I wish it had room to, to fit that in here too where it, it imagines like the whole body like trying to be the same part, you know, like the whole body trying to be an eye. Like that's just wrong. That doesn't work, you know. Or, or part of the body saying like, uh, like the, the head saying to the hand like, oh, you're not a head. You don't matter. You know, we don't need you. Like, well, no, no. We need every part of the body. The whole body has to work together for the body to be healthy and for the body to grow and for the body to do the work that's given to do. All of us are important. Every member is a minister, I think is how we worded it earlier. It says in verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what's evil, cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. He's starting to, to mention some practical things here, you know. Practice hospitality. Make room in your life for people who need hospitality. Share with people who are in need. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible. And I've quoted this verse a lot when I was making my way through that politics series. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. That's that subversive thing going on again right there. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And you don't, you don't get sucked into the way of evil that everyone around you is doing. He says, no, 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 you, you know, that, that, that way of living life where like, no, that's an enemy. I'm not helping him out. You kidding me? I'm going to knock him down on my way past him just so I can get ahead. You know, he's my enemy. I see him suffering and I'm going to laugh and say, good, you're getting what's coming to you. And I'm going to charge on forward. You know, finally, I'm going to be able to do what I need to do because I'm not going to have this guy trying to, trying to stop me. He says, no, no, no. That's, that's not how we live. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not what Jesus did for us. That's not how we're to to treat others. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. This is, this is a creative, subversive uh, act of service that he's describing here. And when we do this, the, the world is changed. You know, this person gets he, burning coals heaped on his head, which I think is a metaphor for like their conscience being impacted, you know. Like they're like, oh man, I've been a jerk to this guy and here he is going out of his way to help me. 
man, maybe I ought to quit being such a jerk. Maybe there's something going on in him. Man, maybe I ought to, what, what's going on? Why are you being so nice to me? And you get a chance to tell him about how good Jesus has been to you, how good God has been to you, and how that motivates you to be good to others. How God has been gracious, and so that motivates you to be gracious. We're not overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good. You guys live this out beautifully, I have to say. Uh, here at Living Hope, I'm, I'm proud to be your pastor and to see the way that, that these kinds of things happen over and over and over again in the life of our church. That you go out of your way uh, to love, uh, to serve, um, sometimes getting creative about, okay, how can we do that best? How, how can we do that uh, given our current circumstances? Um, how can, I, how can I help this person to hear the good news in a way that they'll connect with, that they'll understand, that'll make sense to them? It's a beautiful thing to be a pastor of a church that takes these things uh, to heart and that lives them out. We're going to, before we go, we're going to sing another song. We're going to celebrate communion together. But first, I get to lead us in prayer. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we are incredibly grateful that out of love for us, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to serve, to give his life as a ransom for, for many, including me, including each one of us. Jesus, you gave your life. You poured out your life for us. You could have shown up differently. Uh, you could have just, just ruled and reigned and demanded respect and demanded allegiance or something and instead you came and washed feet you, you came and you, you touched the lepers, the outcasts you came and you spoke graciously um, to those that society of your day had, had pushed to the margins ultimately you gave your life praying for forgiveness for those who nailed you to that cross Thank you, God, that you didn't leave Jesus sitting in that grave after he gave his life for us, but you raised him from death, that you conquered sin and death in Jesus Christ. You subverted the whole thing. I mean, you, you turned the whole thing upside down, and you showed us that the service is the, is the key to greatness. Thank you for conquering sin and death on our behalf. Thank you for inviting us to be recipients of your love, of your life, of your Holy Spirit um, filling our hearts and our lives so that we can live in this world as, as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as children of the God who made us and loves us. Thank you, God. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for the power of Christ that dwells within us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this sacrament that we get to celebrate together as we offer to you these simple gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Spirit's presence here among us that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior who gave his life for us all. We might meet him here in his body and in his blood. Again, God, we offer you ourselves, admitting our need of your grace your forgiveness, your mercy, your strength. Admitting that we need to be transformed by you if we're going to live differently than all the folks around us. 
God, we offer you ourselves and we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will transform us, that you will change us from the inside out, make us a new kind of people that reflect your love and your grace, that reflect Jesus to the people around us. Thank you, God. Thank you that whether we've been following you for decades or whether today is the first time that we are starting to say yes to you, thank you for being so good and gracious to us. Thank you for forgiving our sins, for embracing us as your children, for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit, making alive in us what was dead before. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love and this grace that we experience in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're participating from home, uh, this is a good chance if you haven't already to gather uh, some elements, some communion elements, some bread, some juice, if you'd like to participate. Thank you, God, for your love that flows to us through Jesus Christ by your Holy Spirit with us today. We remember that on that night that uh, Jesus was betrayed, he had that meal with his disciples. Probably sometime after he had gotten down and washed their feet. That he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. You may take and eat the bread. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thank you again, Lord Jesus, for willingly pouring out your life for us. Today, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might be able and willing to pour our lives out for others. Thank you, God. Thank you for helping us, uh, inviting us to participate in the amazing good work you are doing here in the world. Give us courage, we pray, to trust and follow you into it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.